0: reality is none of us are, are that important. Uh, <laughs> and as soon as we begin to think we are, then uh, then I think we got a problem. So, um, you know, it would, no matter the role, uh, certainly all of the roles I had at Woodbine and, and same applies uh, in my role at, at, at uh, Maple Leaf Sports and the same applied when I was running my summer business. Um, you know, I'm one piece of it. Um, obviously, depending, you know, at different points in time, I've had, you know, more senior positions and I've been more more involved in sort of Setting strategy and, and, and really being a decision maker, but but really only one piece. And I think that's to me that's just the reality of any organization, any business, whether you own it or whether you work for somebody else uh, who owns it. You're really only as good as the sort of individual bits and pieces <clears throat> and parts that come together. And any one piece of that that thinks they're too you know uh, you know too big a piece of it is generally focusing on on the wrong stuff.
1: Welcome. Hey leaders, hope you're having a fantastic day. This is Chris Thompson here, and I'm super excited to have Nick Eves uh, coming up on the following podcast. Uh, I've known Nick for over 30 years, and Nick is the Chief Operating Officer of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Uh, He uh, worked with us, or worked with Student Works for four years, I had the opportunity to work with him uh, for for two years. uh, directly and mentor him uh when he was in his early twenties uh just a fantastic leader um just uh so, some of the really interesting things that he had to say and share in his uh in his uh in this podcast upcoming podcast is is just the his humility and uh and 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 the value of humility as a leader uh is just so apparent here um and uh one question that I get asked so often, is is you know, how could I ever get the opportunity to work in an organization like Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, and uh, not only that, actually operate, get get a chance to to be in the 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 C suite um, with Masai and uh, and Brendan Shanahan and uh, the incredible leaders at Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. So we asked him that. So uh, I know you're going to love the podcast. I certainly did. Thanks so much for tuning in and uh n- number one nick i just wanted to say thank you so much for taking your your you know incredibly valuable time and i know just jam schedule to make time for our podcast so no problem happy to do it yeah so um so um you know and 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 again it's it's obviously really exciting times with the raptors doing so well the maple leafs doing so well and uh, that's uh that must be uh, pretty amazing um you know for for all that's going on but Instead of starting now, uh, you know, with what you're doing now, I wanted to sort of think back to, you know, the, the thought about coming and joining, um, joining student works back in the day. What, 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 what had you think that this was a a good idea to sort of, uh, to sort of incorporate into your future? You know, the idea of running your own summer, summer business.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've done, uh, so I, I first ran my summer business, uh, in the summer between, uh, third and fourth year university. So, you know, the prior summers I'd done your typically routine, you know, student summer jobs and and I probably learned a little bit. I made a very little bit of money, but I really didn't feel like I was sort of equipping myself for anything, you know, anything kind of with, with sort of ambition or purpose or any sort. So, um, you know, I knew I wanted to do something bigger. I knew I wanted to learn. Uh, I was in a general arts program. I was a political science major. And, and again, I, that was interesting. And, and I was learning, but I really didn't feel at the time as though I was doing anything at all. Sort of set myself up for what I knew I wanted down the line, which was to, you know, be in a business, run my own business, um, you know, sort of really begin the sort of the makings of a, of a career in business, whatever that meant. And I actually right, didn't, know, right. I didn't know what it meant, but I knew uh, I was 20 or 21 or whatever it was, and uh, it was time to get started. And, uh, you know, I, and you know, the story, but friend of mine had run his summer business the summer before, learned a ton, made a whole bunch of money and, and uh, you know, and really kind of found a whole new kind of approach and and uh, and, and found a, a real focus and, and purpose. And then I needed that.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And, and so thinking, thinking back those times, what do you still rely on um, from, from the program or, or, or the types of things that you learned back, back in the day?
0: Yeah, I think what I rely most on is just the ability to to kind of get started on my own um you know as you know nobody's kind of you know taking the first few steps for you uh, when it's your own business there's nobody kind of in behind kind of you know pulling the strings and navigating and and sort of encouraging you to do this or reminding you to do that um whatever it is everything that it is uh it's all you it starts with you and obviously you know to the extent that you're building a good team, then, then that's obviously the, that's obviously the power of, of, uh, of sort of the build out of the business. But, you know, it starts with you and, and, you know, it start, it was that when I was starting, you know, my, my summer business, it was that sort of self-starting, you know, kind of when I went into uh, my first kind of career uh, after, after school and and even now in the role that I'm in today, um, you know, Fortunate in that I work with a team, and, and we've got a bunch of resources and, and people around um, who can help deliver. But it's got to start with me in terms of where we're headed and what we're going to do, and what it is uh, we need the team to really sort of rally around and, and start to start to perform. So um, you know, any any leader, any business owner, uh, operator, um, it really comes down to his or her ability to sort of set the set the direction and and really lead by example, which is sort of being the first one out there um, taking those steps to. To, uh, to you know, to really get things going.
1: Yeah. No. Well. Well. I I remember, Rick. Uh, sorry, Nick. Post post student works. You moved to the Ontario Jockey Club, which became Woodbine Entertainment, and and that was sort of your first move post post student yeah. works. What did you learn in that role? What did you see early on? And 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 and, and you know, in terms of your career development.
0: Yeah. I mean, the um, so I was really lucky in that I did go to to Woodbine Entertainment Group uh, quite soon after being a general manager uh, in your program. And, and really that turned into a 21-year career where I think I did every job uh, inside the organization and, and I really learned that, um, you know, and I'd learned this in running my own business, but, but there's really, you know, it sounds so trite, but it's true. There's no job uh, too small. And, and certainly my experience has been, you know, those who are most successful are the ones who have really uh, done every, everything inside of their business and have been more than prepared to do everything they, they absolutely need to do in order to build their business so whether that's out you know whether that's out selling cold calling you know obviously trying to get new business um you know obviously there's nobody else is going to go and do that for you hopefully you can lead a team and have people doing it alongside you but uh but obviously you know um you know success generally comes from you know sort of being in the trenches being hands-on you know empowering while being hands-on but really leading a team and showing that team that you're with them and that you're doing it uh, alongside them and, and that together, uh, all of you, all of us are contributing to that success. So at Woodbine entertainment group, my first role was a, was a marketing role. We just started a new sort of line of business inside that organization. And I, I went in as a, as a marketing manager, and I helped develop a, a marketing plan. And then within about 18 months, uh, there'd been some change inside the organization and, and that new business unit needed somebody to actually run it. So all of a sudden I moved into more of a, a day-to-day operations role, and I, and I learned from that. And then over the course of my time at Woodbine, uh, really the roles kept evolving. And, and really what I sort of attempted to make sure that I did was sort of put myself in a position where when inevitably something changed and there was going to be an opportunity of some sort uh, for somebody, uh, I was trying to be sort of front and center in terms of, of having performed in whatever it was I had been doing at the time uh, and really putting my hand up to say, you know this new opportunity, this new area of this of the business, this 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 more sort of senior set of responsibilities, i would be perfect for that. So you know, I really attempt. I always sort of attempted through doing a good job and whatever it was I was doing to be the logical person to be tapped on the shoulder to go and take on the next role, and, and ultimately that's what ended happening uh, at Woodbine Entertainment Group because I went from that um, you know marketing role to a to an operations role to a bit of an operations portfolio across the entire business to I became uh, president officer and then eventually I became uh, CEO so that was sort of a kind of a journey that, that really touched every piece of the business all four corners all the way along
1: yeah I know and, and one of the th- one of the things as well that's always that's always shown up for me uh, Nick in in your leadership style is really a sense of humility um, A lot of times I think young people think oh wow you get successful and then there's sort of a sense of, of wow I'm really important. And, and, and to me, that's something you just have never been, you know, I know you regularly hosted our team like year after year after year at, at mm. Woodbine entertainment. It was so yes. great. You come in and around your schedule, make time. And, uh, you know, what's, what's your sense of that? And, and, and I know as well, how you interacted, I know as well, how you interacted with, with, with the people in your team. And, 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 you know, again, I got, you were CEO, but you know, you, you wouldn't have known it just by, by who you were being. Yeah, well, thank you for saying that because to me that, that's pretty important. I mean, the reality is none of
0: us are are that important, uh, yeah. and as soon as we begin to think we are, then uh, then I think we got a problem. So, um, you know, it would, no matter the role, uh, certainly all of the roles I had at Woodbine, and and same applies uh, in my role at, at, at uh, Maple Leaf Sports, and the same applied when I was running my summer business. Um, you know, I'm one piece of it. Um, obviously. You know, at different points in time, I've had you know more senior positions, and I've been more more involved in sort of setting strategy and, and and really being a decision maker. But but really only one piece. And I think that's to me that's just the reality of any organization, any business, whether you own it or whether you work for somebody else uh, who owns it. You're really only as good as the sort of individual bits and pieces <clears throat> and parts that come together. And any one piece of that that thinks they're too you know uh, you know too big a piece of it is generally focusing on on the wrong stuff so um you know i've had much more success um you know getting the team to really sort of perform and, and and work alongside me you know as i have as i have been one of them and and as i've you know been humble and 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 really you know to me that's it's just kind of it's 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 innate as opposed to as opposed to sort of um attempted and uh it just it just generally gets you to a better place and and uh, you know there are there are there are times and environments and and files or issues where, you know, where you need, uh, you know, a, a bolder, more dogmatic, um, you know, more sort of, uh, inward focused approach to things. So every right. now and then, I think that, uh, every now and then it, there's always a place for humility every now and then on top of the humility, you know, you need to drive and you need to be bold and you, you do need to make it a little bit about you to get to where you need to get to. But those are, those are sort of, those are exceptions, uh, for the rule in, in,
1: in my view. Yeah, no, I, well, I, I, I hear you. Um, one like the not many people know but there's just um, an enormous growth from in Woodbine Entertainment over the 21 years you're there. I don't know how many hundreds of millions of dollars in increased growth there is, but just mm-hmm. fantastic growth. And and obviously there's lots of things that happen, but what do you think were key to sort of making that happen, building the team, building the infrastructure, et cetera, and making all that, that success?
0: Yeah, I think the key, I mean, you know, Woodbine Entertainment Group and, and horse racing generally in North America anyway, are you know is, is a business is an industry that, that really hadn't changed a whole lot and really wasn't open to change it had been successful uh, over over time and and its success had come from a particular formula and as a, as is often the case with these things um there were a lot of people who thought the only way to continue to be successful was to continue to follow the same old formula and it's kind of obvious that that formula while for sure having been successful over time uh, wasn't going to be the formula for the future so really um, you know, the, the success that, that we ended up enjoying inside that organization sort of was born out of an eventual sort of understanding that we did need to change. We needed to change, not for change sake, but in order to really sort of reimagine the business and, and set ourselves up to succeed in an environment that had been changing dramatically. And, and, you know, our industry was was one of the first that had we not sort of embraced technology and, and it, one could argue that kind of a, a bigger embrace of technology that has to happen but had we not gone and really embraced um, you know sort of the, 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 the sort of the power of TV and and been prepared to go and put our content out on television which meant that we were giving fans an excuse to not come to our venues why would you come to Woodbine racetrack if you can watch it on television so so the very notion of that to some was was absurd because right. while we were struggling with a declining, Sort of attendance we were going to go and put racing on television and probably have you know a, a, a sort of even further declining attendance but but obviously the, the ambition there was to expose our content to a much much larger sort of universe of people and then again through initially the telephone and then ultimately with the emergence of the internet sound, you know you dated uh, we, we created you know we, we, we created platforms whereby obviously customers could then go and transact in our business but but many, many, many fewer were coming to Woodbine, and many, many more were were actually becoming fans of our content because we were contributing it to them. So that's just an example of the business needed to think differently. And it doesn't matter whether you're a horse racing business or a hockey and basketball and concert business or a painting business or an insurance business. Um, you know, you, you obviously want to stick with the things that are working for you. Um, you know, and and, and keep doing more of those but i think all of us in whatever businesses we're we're running need to constantly be looking at where you know where likely change is headed and try and get ahead of that change and, and try and be a little bit of a pioneer around sort of being on the front end of that change so that ultimately you know your competitors are are continuing to follow it rather than uh, rather than being out in front of you so i think that was really the the decision that that a bunch of us made at woodbine to change the business model and not fear the immediate sort of perhaps step backwards, which it was because we went from, you know, a declining attendance at Woodbine to a more precipitously declining attendance at Woodbine. So so these new guys who thought they understood horse racing were all of a sudden, you know, not so smart. Um, But, but it took some patience. It took sort of a commitment to really investing in the ways that we're going to go and expand the business. So, so I think that was the difference. And I think, again, it doesn't matter what business you're in, the constant sort of uh, commitment to, to change and to not standing still, because as soon as you—soon, as I mean—again, it sounds so so cliche, but as soon as you're standing still, particularly if it's for a while, then obviously somebody's going to catch up with you, and, and then all likely to blast past you. So we didn't yeah. like that. Yeah.
1: No, I totally, I totally, I totally hear you. And one of the things about that that business was it was, uh, parts of that business were very involved with the government. What did you learn about working with the government or the challenges of working with the government?
0: Yeah, I learned that I really uh, don't wanna be running a business that's uh, you know significant, uh, significantly directed or controlled by government. Right. Because uh, obviously that's a very challenging environment. But from the standpoint of learning to navigate through that by its nature, non-commercial framework, uh, right. while frustrating and while you know, extremely challenging, ended up being remarkably, um, I was going to say rewarding, it probably wasn't that rewarding, but it was certainly helpful from a developmental perspective. Because again, I mean, even if we don't operate inside a, a regulated or a government controlled business, the, the the need to um, be able to sort of respond to, um, you know, sort of Irrational, not in the most extreme sense of, of, of irrationality, but but rational from the standpoint of perhaps non-commercial um, sort of um, factors is important right because again I mean I'm sure it's the case in, in your business. Uh, thankfully, most of the time you're dealing with with strictly commercial transactional issues and, and thank goodness because those are kind of line of sight. we all understand those. Yes right? but every now and then you're dealing with issues that are outside of those bounds and they're, and they're a bit they're, they're a bit opaque and they're, they're, they're sort of curious. And they're much much more difficult to sort of navigate through. And generally speaking, they involve people and and yeah. and the natural or unnaturally different sort of drivers that, that, that different people have. So so being able to sort of navigate through different challenging, commercially irrational decisions and issues, uh, I, I just assume not have to do too too much of that. Uh, right. you know, sort of uh, through the course of, of of the work that I do, but it but it ended up being helpful disciplined. Um, sort of learning. And and, I, and, I, and even today, I mean, again, I'm thankfully, I'm, I'm running a part of a business now that, that isn't government controlled and, and regulated. But of course, there are stakeholders um, that have yeah. objectives that fall outside of the narrowly commercial lens and, and being able to sort of be tuned into um, kind of how to deal with those issues uh, is, is important. And, and I learned it kind of the hard way, but I'm glad to have learned it.
1: Yeah, no. And I could see as well, like Maple Leafs and Raptors and, and FC They they really are a trust in the community. Yeah. Right. So, and, and so in some of that's irrational yeah. uh, and not commercial. True. And so, so how do we, you know, and listening for that as part of our yeah. consumers and, and, uh, uh, you know, and getting that uh, and, uh, you know, an understanding that they're a stakeholder in the business. Yeah, um, it, it, it,
0: exactly it, right. I mean, we have owners who are shareholders um, who have commercial objectives, of course, but, but your analogies are really, is a really, really good one. And, and so many people have such passion for teams and the content and the things uh, that Maple Leaf Sports and, and its brands do that in addition to them being commercially successful, which of course is really important to, ownership, um, you know, the, the the bar is higher in that they are to a certain extent uh, a public trust. And and yes. and even though a Leafs fan or a Raptors fan or an FC fan or an Argos fan knows that they don't, they're not an owner of the team. The great thing about the sports <laughs> business is those passionate fans feel like owners and they behave like owners and, and thank goodness they do. And yes. you have to treat them like owners because if, sure. if you're not, then then they're not going to be as supportive and as diehard and as passionate uh, for, for what you do. So, so while they're not owners, uh, they, have the, they, they have every right to, to behave as owners and feel like they, they need to be treated as owners. And, and then we as a, as a leadership team need to figure out how to strike that balance between Indeed treating them as owners of the, of the content um, you know, and, and just helping them kind of uh, at the end of an event get what, what they wanted, which was just kind of you know in every way the thrill uh, of a lifetime, but it's up to us to deliver it.
1: Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. It must be a childhood dream, I imagine. You know, growing up in North Toronto to be, you know, the chief venues officer for Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, the Raptors, the Leafs, the, all the brands down there. You know, what, what's what's your feeling about that, Nick?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know, I'm a I'm a diehard sports fan. Um, you know, I, I grew up uh, a Leafs fan from birth. I was born in 1968, so. Sadly, I can still say a Stanley Cup in Toronto, not in my lifetime, Yes, uh, but we won't be saying that for much longer, we all hope. Uh, so yeah, I mean, anyone who's a sports fan and, and, a, and a music and entertainment fan, because that's a big part of our business.
1: Yes. Well, uh, yeah.
0: This is an amazing environment to be coming to work in uh, every day, right? I mean, I, I realize that I'm, I'm so fortunate to, to spend my day dealing with issues and, and working through challenges and opportunities that involve the Toronto Maple Leafs, Toronto Raptors, and the Toronto FC, and the Argos. Uh, and you know, again, the the side of our business that's that's not as um, evident uh, to some people is the fact that um, you know we are Toronto is the is the third largest um, kind of concert market in North America, the eighth largest in the world. So, uh, and Scotiabank Arena, which is obviously our marquee venue, uh, you know, is the is the is the is the busiest. So, so if there's not a Leaf game or a Raptor game uh, inside this building, then 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 inevitably there's probably a concert uh, going on or a Cirque show or. a, UFC competition or you name it. Right. So, um, so to be around though that type of content and to be part of a team that's helping to strategize around how obviously to do more of that. And then when we're, when we're fortunate enough to be able to host these amazing events, put them on in a way that's both commercially successful, but, 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 you know, an amazing fan experience, uh, is a, is a, you know, it's a great way to obviously spend a day and and, uh, a great way to uh, a great way to make a living. So, um, you know, obviously we're, you know, it, we're, fan, we're all fans. Most of right. us are fans, but obviously, you, know, you, you, you discover really quickly that it, it's about the business. You're, you're sort of a you're a you're a manager first. You're an operator first. You're you're a you're a steward of these brands and this organization first, uh, and you're a fan second. The good right. news is that yeah. the fan the fan second isn't all that far behind. But yeah, uh, <laughs> obviously, you gotta you gotta you gotta park the, the you gotta park the fandom and focus on the uh, focus on the business priority. But the good news is they often intersect. That's
1: yeah, no, you're doing a great job putting on a great experience um and then it's just you know it's fun for the entire uh you know stadium the the all the clientele and then obviously you're having fun at the same time it's impossible not to.
0: Yeah, and obviously it's so much more fun when the teams are winning and yes. and uh, I've been somewhat fortunate in that I've been here Almost two and a half years now, so thankfully all of the teams have done a little bit more winning than they've done losing. So that's yes. amazing. Obviously, there were some years leading up to that where uh, where, where the balance was uh, was a little <laughs> bit skewed the other way. So I'm well I'm well aware, and I'm reminded often that uh, first of all, the teams you know of course they don't win all the time, and and this yeah. is a this is a much much more difficult business when the teams aren't winning. And I mean the you know the, the perfect example is you know Toronto FC uh, and the Argos went from you know um, Major League Soccer and CFL champions last year to neither of them making the playoffs this year. So those businesses are rather more challenging uh, right about now to yes. operate and in terms of getting season seat holder renewals and partnership renewals and making operating decisions around moving those businesses forward. I mean, obviously, the, the, the resolve and the focus on, on finding success is no less. In fact, it's probably even greater, but it's it's tougher to do Uh, in an environment where where you haven't come off sort of win after win after win after win so um, so that's the again going back to the somewhat irrational nature of things I mean at the end of it all all anybody wants all any fan wants all any owner wants all anybody wants is for these teams to win and obviously when they're winning amazing
1: when they're not winning
0: everything gets a little bit tougher
1: for sure for sure or a lot tougher and so in terms of thinking back about failures or setbacks in your career you know what are what are maybe some of those or, or, or big ones and then also just what did you learn from them what did you take from them moving forward
0: yeah i would say um there were a couple times along the way where you know i i didn't put myself forward uh you know to, to be sort of the logical person to go and take on a new opportunity um and more so earlier in my career, although, although it, you know, kind of still happens from time to time. And and that's a confidence thing, right? And okay. I think, I think, I think, I think there are times certainly when you're newer to something or perhaps when you've, when something hasn't, when what, what you were doing last didn't have the level of success that you had hoped. Um, I think it's human nature for that to, you know, to shake your confidence uh, a little bit. And, and I can remember a couple of times where I didn't have the confidence to really go and put myself out and be, you know, and, and, and sort of put my hand up and say, I'm the right one to go and take on this opportunity. And, and looking back, I was, or I was certainly better than, than the next alternative. Right. But, But you know, there have been moments in time where, where for a bunch of different reasons, I just, I didn't have the confidence to go and do it. And I think, again, I think, I think that's somewhat natural. And I think the, I think really what I learned was to not allow that kind of moment in time to sort of get in the way of sort of a more forward looking decision. And really this is, it's about the long game, right? And even if something's telling me at this moment in time, you know, maybe I don't know enough about something or maybe I'm not ready. um, You know, it is the long game and I can get ready pretty quickly. And, and, and and I'm going to set myself up just to make sure that, you know, I'm in the mix uh, such that when these next opportunities are coming I'm going to be a part of it. And, and, and it's really, it, it is about confidence and, and again, not irrational confidence and not, no, not arrogance. Sure, sure. I mean, there's a fine line obviously between confidence and arrogance as we all know, but, um, yeah. but, but, but sort of drawing on that confidence to, to, to know that with help uh, with support, with mentorship and with, you know, a bit of experience and some, and some good decision-making, you can actually do pretty much anything. Uh, and don't forget that. And a couple of times I forgot that. And, yeah. uh, you know, I need to, and even now, like every now and then, uh, you know, not so much an opportunity or a position, but just on a, on a, on an issue. Right. Yep. I mean, I'm, I'm in an environment. I was in an environment for 21 years where, you know, towards the end of it, I've probably seen almost everything. And, uh, I probably had the confidence that no matter what was going on, I had a good feel for it. Here I am. I'm a little bit newer into, into, uh, into, into an environment now. And, and I sure I'm not even close to knowing all of it. In fact, For sure. in fact, there's so much that, that I just don't really have a sense of yet. So, so having the confidence to to acknowledge I don't really know everything about this issue, or or maybe I don't know anything about this issue, but I know enough, and I've had enough experience, and I've got a team around me, uh, and I'm I trust in my ability to to sort of assess, um, evaluate, and then make a good decision. And uh, you don't need you know it's not about understanding an issue, um, every side of an issue and everything about an issue. It's about having the confidence to know enough, have the right people around you and and be in a position to make a good decision.
1: Yeah, no, I hear you. And it's, it's, one of the things that jumps up for me, Nick is, is, is on the, on the side on the flip side of every real strength and one of the, your real strengths is humility and sincerity and authenticity comes the backside, which is maybe, hey, you know, gee, you know, I think on the, the backside of those people who are just unconsciously irrational, yeah. confident and, and, you know, et cetera, a lot of times they don't show those other things. So it's, right. it's, 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 kind of, you know uh, you know, for me, I'm, I'm too nice many times. And that, that can be a real problem, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. into that just being assertive and no, this is right. how it's got to be. And yeah, you got it. Not and it's, and
0: it's, it's about, it's about choosing the moments, right? And and, yeah. and you, you've had a, you, you know, you've, you built a business over, over a career by knowing those moments and and knowing which style is the right one for, for the time or the moment for the person. And, and of course, it's never, it's never just one approach, you know, one single approach isn't going to make anybody successful and, and we are who we are innately. So I'm going to approach things the way that I do because it's just kind of how I'm wired and, and I'm never going to be able to sort of turn that on its head and, yeah. and stop doing it. And that's okay because because for the most part it's, it, it, it's work. it works. But it doesn't work for it doesn't work for every situation. It doesn't work for every person. Uh, and and you know quite often it actually doesn't work. So so you know half the battle is knowing when it isn't going to work based on who it is that's on the other side of the table or whatever the issue is and being able to pivot and and use another set of skills which maybe aren't as innate or don't come to the surface as naturally but are going to be required for that particular situation and that actually is much much harder because you're you're going against sort of your you know kind of your, your internal wiring and you're going against your sort of default position and you're intentionally behaving in a way that isn't authentically you um, but you have to do it in order to get the result that you need to get to and it's not it's it's, it's not sort of uh, you know it's not inauthentic if that's no. a word it's just adapting to what you need to do under the circumstances
1: yeah. And getting out of your comfort zone. Right. For sure. Yeah. And so, so, you know, um, what do you see as the secrets to your success? You know, uh, you've had just an incredible mm. career, Nick. Well, I don't know about that, but the, um, <laughs> so
0: I think uh, I'm only 50. <laughs> I know that. 50. I can't, I be- that. I can't believe for- you're 50. I've been 50 for a month. And every time somebody asks me how old I am and I say 50, I'm like, I can't believe I just said so, um, you know, I think I've all I've sort of had the long game in mind, which obviously, if you're one place for 21 years with people of my age and certainly a lot of your team's age, just doesn't happen any longer. So so for me, that was an investment in patience. Uh, there was a continual learning, which is why it made sense for me to stay where I was for such a long time. But I think the, you know, and, and obviously, in those earlier days, I was impatient, and uh, I was probably looking for things to happen more quickly even though they happened fairly quickly along the way I probably wanted to have them uh, have them happen more quickly and I was disciplined enough and frankly content enough to stick with it and trust that as things were going well new, new bigger better things would continue to come so I think that was part of it again I, I didn't just wait sort of fingers crossed eyes closed blindly hoping and praying that things are going to work out I, I I think I intentionally sort of invested in in decisions and developments and behaviors that I felt fairly confident would be, would be rewarded, but I was patient in allowing that reward to come. So I think, so I think that's helped. And then the other thing that's helped again, certainly, and this is easier as you get older or as you have sort of more years under your belt, sort of in, in any, in any sort of business or in any market, but, but just making sure that I continue to stay close to my network and, um, and, and frankly tap my network uh, not sort of always taking because obviously that doesn't last very long. If you're, you know, if you're only ever a taker, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the network dries up a little bit, but, but, you know, I've never done anything. I've never done anything on my own. Uh, most people don't. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I'm just, just not that talented, but, but um, being able to draw on, um, you know, sort of peers from, you know, from my student painter days, from my Western days, from my woodbine days, from, you know, the other environments that I have sort of just kind of, uh, been lucky enough to be involved with sort of over the course of a career. So, so staying involved in that um, stay, you know, keeping that network active and, and making sure that those relationships um, carry on uh, and again, in a way that's authentic. Um, you know, nobody really likes the person who's just constantly out there uh, overtly networking, like that's a pretty obvious thing. So it's, it's not that, it's just managing those relationships and, and, and frankly, helping those, those that you've sort of developed relationships with um, over time. Sort of helping contribute to their success, and, and quite naturally, when you're when you're doing that, then you're going to see it come back in ways that are that are really helpful to you. So, so but that's that's difficult. Like it sounds so obvious, yeah. Who who wouldn't want to go and make sure that they keep a, a network, you know, obvious, right? Right, um, right? But it's it's an investment in time, and, and when anyone's building a career of any sort, um, especially and if they're building a family at the same time, and whoever who knows what else, um, you know, time is scarce, and and quite often. Um, you know what I found was when I was least effective uh, at sort of managing and, and building that network is when I was sort of when I was least intentional about doing it. And I would you know I'd say well i you know I've been working all day I've got young kids and of course you know they're my they're my priority and and I and there were times there have been times where I just haven't really kind of invested in those relationships and in, in that network and and when you don't do that you know it, you know it can go a little bit dormant. The good news is you, you can activate it again fairly quickly, but um, you know i'm um, i'm always the beneficiary of you know of, of sort of relationships and, and peers and mentors and and just kind of you know colleagues along the way who who i still kind of turn to to either for advice or for an introduction or for a perspective on a on an issue or an opportunity and and uh, again some people as you get sort of further into a career some people sort of take the view that, well, at a, at a certain point in time, you shouldn't actually have to ask anybody else. Or you, sh- you should be able to kind of do it all on your own. And uh, I don't know where that day's ever <laughs> been. <laughs> Not but, uh, for uh, me. I'm, I'm probably fairly shameless in just making sure that, that you know, I've had, to, I've had the great fortune of, of, you know, meeting tons of people and interacting with tons of people and, and working on projects and opportunities with lots of people. And, and uh, they're a big part of kind of, of the journey going forward. And I don't think that ever, ever ends. And, uh, being close to that I think is a really important
1: thing. Yeah, I find the same thing. And the other piece about it is, is that I I find it really closely tied to personal development. So I've yeah. learned so much from my peers, learned so mm. much from, and feel, feel like just a sense of camaraderie. Oh, okay. That's, that's, you know, and I know I've had many, many discussions with you over the years. And, and, and again, I, uh, you know, very blessed to call you a friend and, 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 and a peer and just the things I've learned and just felt like, oh, he feels that way too. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. it's just kind of a, a sense of, oh, okay, good. I'm, my sense of that is right. You know, right. Uh, it's, it's, it's a helpful thing.
0: Yeah, and, and again, it doesn't matter what business is what business we're running, and, and you know, you've run a bunch of different businesses and yeah. I've run a bunch of different businesses, <clears throat> they might they might deliver something slightly different at the end, but the component parts to success are identical, right? Right. So so learning from somebody else who has built a business and, and, and obviously suffered some setbacks along the way, uh, irrespective of what their business is, is enormously helpful because yes. those experiences are are highly relevant and valuable to to whatever it is you find yourself doing. So, um, so, so not being afraid to ask and intentionally trying to get that perspective. Um, and again, I wish I did more of it because it's, it's easy not to do because it's just, it's, it's more time and, and, uh, you know, it's time and effort at a, at a, at a time when everyone's really, really busy, but it's really, it's really, really rewarding.
1: What would you recommend to a young emerging leader? Get getting started out, you know, university, you know, just getting started out after university.
0: Yeah. Um, well, first of all, you know, go in go in a direction that 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 you're most sort of likely to really enjoy, as opposed to something that somebody, either society or a friend or a family member, is telling you you should do. Right? And there's a lot of that, right? There's a lot of sure. there's a lot out there where some where where it, it's suggested that you may want to do something. And I right. get it. I mean, those are that's just the way the world works. But generally speaking, uh, again, these things are are kind of obvious. But but you're really not going to be successful if you're in an environment where you're doing it for the wrong reasons, uh, and it isn't going to make you happy at the end of the line. So, um, so you got to go. You got to you got to go in a direction that, that 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 something's telling you that you're going to be able to find happiness uh, doing it. And you also have to be prepared. And and it may be it, uh, you know as it may be harder now than it was before, but I think you have to be prepared to start on a at the bottom and 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 earn your way up. And again, how obvious does that sound? But but lots of times whether you've spent a lot of time in school and you've got a graduate degree and you've had maybe you've had some amazing success running a summer business right that's how fantastic but that doesn't entitle any of us to anything right it means that good news is we've had some success and that probably creates a foundation for us to have more success but it doesn't entitle us to sort of a, a, a sort of a particular perch as we go into our next opportunity and and you know, I I understand, people, especially those of us who who are a bit more A type, are impatient and we want to kind of we want to sort of jump in, you know, into the middle of it and and sort of have a serious running start and 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 some can and that's a that's a that's a really great thing. But but it is a long game and uh, and even something that feels in the first instance like it might be uh, either a step backwards or not an obvious sort of path to to where you want to where you want to get to. Um, you know. The path can always, the only thing I know is the path's always different than you think it's going to be. Yes, and yes. I think you just have to kind of trust your, you got to trust your head and your heart and your gut and make the decisions that feel like the right ones are making you happy, seem to be sort of in line with the, with the sort of the course uh, that you've set for yourself, but, but allow things to play out. And again, not in this sort of blind, I'm just going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to blindly and faithfully believe that things are going to work out for me that doesn't work that way it's it, when, when you're making good decisions you know when you're working harder than anybody else when you're putting in the time and effort then then things are going to work out and uh, uh, and the path is going to look probably slightly different than you'd imagined it but because you've been prepared to do whatever needs to be done you're the one who's kind of up first making those calls first knocking on those doors later um, you know being be, uh, you know ultimately being the one who's driving things forward that's what gets, that's what gets forward.
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, and I guess, you know, one thing I know people will want me to ask is, you know, how do I end up working in a, in a, you know, world-class sports organization like MLSC? What, what, you know, what special tips or, or what, what, you know, what could you recommend, uh, Nick?
0: Yeah. So I started at MLSC when I was 48 years old. Right. So um sure I was a fan, you know, I've been a fan all my life. Um, you know, I, I, I talked with the Leafs. I've been a Raptors fan since 1995 when they started playing. So, so yeah, I mean, obviously um, lots and lots of people uh, would l- love the thought of working in an environment where those, where those teams are playing. So, so I, so I get it. Um, but you know, uh, and and that and and having passion for for what those teams do is a critical piece of success because obviously you know if, if you if if you bring that passion and that passion sort of touches on every decision you're making as you, as you're running your business, that's, going to be, that's going to be a good thing but obviously you know the core ingredient of of successful people who work here isn't their passion for the teams it's an important piece of it but you know you've obviously got to be an expert in your area of the business, and and I tell a lot of people, and again, because I was 48 when I got here, you know, I, I guess I can say it with, with with some credibility. But go and do a bunch of other things first, right? Even if even if you think that that working for the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Toronto Raptors or whatever is, is the is the ultimate job, and that you've got all of the skills to go and do it, you you probably do. Um, but there's there are going to be hundreds of other people who kind of want the same thing and are going to be so almost narrowly focused on the same thing, and and you can you can take that path if you want, but I think you're going to be better equipped to go in and do different things, get some experience, have some success, um, be able to obviously show how it is that that you've, you've been able to sort of build a career and make some decisions, do all these things, because that's a much more valuable sort of skill set when you're in front of somebody who's hiring for the next position inside this, this organization, right? right. So uh, again, but that's the long game, right? Um, it's, it's sort of investing a bit of time and energy in, in developing skills and having some, you know, develop, and sort of, um, you know, sort of learning through experience and then, and then, and then bring that, uh, you know, bring that to sort of a, a conversation with somebody who actually is hiring for a, for a position. What I've seen is a lot of people kind of, they want to jump to it. And I understand why, right? Like out of school, I'm going to go and work for, for maybe sports Entertainment, And some people do, like that's not, that's not, that's not an impossible path, but right. but generally, bringing sort of a broader set of skills and experiences uh, and learnings along the way, to me anyway, as a hiring manager is more valuable than the person who was top of their class at the best school and, and, you know, was, was the head of every club. Like I'm not trying to diminish those things at all. Those are, those are, those are important attributes, but to me, they're kind of secondary to real experience, real skill development through just having done it, not in, not in the sports industry, having done it inside any business where you've had to, you know, learn, work, work alongside people, manage people, make difficult decisions, um, you know, work on strategy. Um, you know, that's all of that is going to set somebody up a whole lot better. Um, you know, for, for, uh, for a position here.
1: Well, Nick, um, I, I, uh, I respect your time tremendously. Uh, I told you I'd get get you out of this by nine o'clock because I I know you got a nine o'clock meeting. I and got a nine o'clock so, meeting. So, uh, and and I just love you know you, you've played the long game all your life and you talked about that just to, how, how the long game's so important you know mm. patience and again patience but with activity with commitment yeah. with delivering results. So uh, hey, thank you so much, my friend. No really problem. appreciate it. You have an awesome day. Sorry for the technological hey, glitches. No problem. Great, great talking to you, Chris. Talk soon, my friend. Bye-bye. You got Bye-bye. Hey, leaders. We've got a ton more interviews like this one coming up in the next few weeks. So if you're listening and you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to Leaders of Tomorrow. If you enjoy our content, please give us a share on your Facebook feed. Or better yet, Tell your three most driven and entrepreneurial friends about this podcast so they can join us in discovering what set these powerful business leaders apart from the crowd at such a young age.